Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the lives of different individuals and discover how design has played an essential role in their lives. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. My next guest in the Ozmaker series is the lovely Lee Matthews, an Australian fashion, jewelry, and homeware designer whose eye for Times Design has seen her brand flourish. Launching her label Lee Matthews in 2001 with a simple desire to make feminine, easy-to-wear clothing for women, Lee has continued to shy away from transient fashion trends and instead creates pieces characterized by the relaxed feel and vintage-influenced look. Welcome, Lee. It's really, really cool. And we have a mutual friend called Karen McCartney, and I think you just told me if she hadn't said I should, you should do this, you wouldn't be here. So that was nice to hear. Yeah. She's an amazing woman. I've known her for a long time, and, and talking to her recently, she said that you've you've known each other for a very long time too. Yes, we have. It's been, uh, yeah, how long has it been? 30 years probably. Really? Mm. Wow. And you're both from Northern Ireland? I am from Northern Ireland, yes, but I didn't meet her there, no. Ah. Hmm. Where are you from? I'm from, uh, born in England, grew up in Canada. I grew up in Canada as well. Yeah? Whereabouts? Columbia. Yeah, me too. Vancouver. Oh, cool. White Rock, actually. Do you know White Rock? No, I don't. I was in Micah Creek, which is sort of a um, near Nelson. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, north. And then Whitehorse originally, which is probably two thirds of the way up. Wow. And this is, we, we were, like my parents emigrated to Saskatchewan originally, mm. which is like prairies and mm. very very flat and cold incredibly cold in the winter mm. and they'd realize that's not the place for them to be and so my dad got a job on the vancouver sun as a compositor and we moved um to the west coast and to a little place called white rock which is right on the border of america and canada mm-hmm. um do you remember do you remember, ever see the peach Ar- peace arch uh the border crossing yes at blaine yes yeah we were just just near there yeah, so really, really beautiful, beautiful spot. So got great fond memories of, of Canada. My sister Naomi still lives there. She moved back. Mm. We we yeah. Hang on, it's, it's not about me. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> how did you How did you end up in Canada? I actually have no idea. <laughs> I was very young. Uh, my dad was working for um, a hydroelectric dam construction company. So oh wow. So we lived in little tiny towns that got built and then flooded about six months later. Wow. Oh, were you born in, in Ireland? I was born in Belfast, yeah. Yeah, and then what, from a young age moved to Canada? Mm-hmm. And then wow. to New Zealand. After Canada? After Canada. Mm. Wow. And then Australia. So, yes, around the world, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm. That's a really interesting uh, history. Did you ever go back to Ireland after Canada or did you go straight to New Zealand? No, straight to New Zealand. I did go back to Ireland when I was 21 or 22 mm. sort of with the intention of staying, but mm, didn't didn't feel like home, actually. Mm. I know Karen goes back all the time. Yeah, she does. <clears throat> but um, no, it doesn't. Maybe I just was a bit young and, and I still hadn't really found my... Um, mm, out who I was in, mm. in that kind of context. Yeah. And I was looking for context. And Ireland certainly didn't feel like it had the context I thought it was going to have. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, uh, you know, living in lots of different places, it really does change mm. uh, you as a person, doesn't it? You feel a bit displaced. Mm. I, mean, I, I always feel like I don't kind of belong anywhere, although now I really feel this is home. How long have you been here? Uh, 18 years? Yes, it's definitely Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm quite happy living anywhere. I, whenever I go anywhere, I just think, oh, this is I a nice spot. Mm, I, <laughs> I, I'm a bit the same, actually. Yeah. I have a friend that lives in France, and I have come to sort of never imagined I would like to live in France. But I go and spend time with her there, and I think I could do this if I could speak the language better. But, you know, I, I would be comfortable there. I mm. think that that's a byproduct of yeah moving a lot yeah no it really is and are you is your fa- is your parents still around no unfortunately oh, i'm sorry to hear that but were they were they last in new zealand both yeah last in new zealand ah okay well you're obviously a very creative person and and i was fascinated by 
your journey and and hearing that you weren't always a fashion designer. Not so at all, no. how did that come about? Mm. Like what did you, did you study design in any way? No, I've never studied anything. No. I um I started uh painting, illustrating. And I won a stamp design competition, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing to win, but it was in New Zealand mm-hmm. and I was young and it was uh uh I think you won $5,000 or $1,000, $3,000, $5,000. Anyway, I won some money and that was like hitting a pot of gold. Wow. And I thought, oh, you can make money from this. And I so I uh, became a kind of obsessed with drawing, painting, commercializing what I could do. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a job in a small advertising agency, Mm -hmm. just doing, you know, um, they used to call it finished art. Mm, Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Um, Or like graphics, right? Yeah. and Artwork. Yes. And that was sort of fun, but it was very grown up and I was still so young and it was a bit, I don't think I'd say that it really fitted my personality. I was a bit too much of a hippie for that. So I ended up setting up, I had always sewn things made all my own clothes you know everyone in new zealand's a bit like that make your own clothes grow Mm. your own food ride your bike don't you know it was very diy everything was Mm. possibly still is Mm -hmm. and um what happened next i moved in with a couple who were extremely alternative and by way of paying my rent she was a potter or ceramicist and i decorate i did all the dipping for her what do you call it glazing and then Mm -hmm. decorated the tableware painted it Mm -hmm. and uh uh, and then started to use their garage is my studio and i started i don't know experimenting with screen printing I bought an overlocker and a sewing machine I started making stuff so I don't know I was always making something to sell to make money to pay for the rent or whatever and it they just all melded into sort of probably three different streams of experimentation you know fabrics which I always loved and textiles so I to print a lot of textiles and make them into, you know, c- curtains and cushions and um, homewaresy things, and then s- clothing and um, uh, what else? Well, anything I could make it into. Then the illustration was sort of happening in the middle, and I would I worked for a, a book pul- publisher doing children's book illustrations, mm-hmm. which were. Mm, when I look back at them, they're not amazing. But anyway, you know, it was a start. And then and then when I first came to uh, Sydney, I started working at Vogue in, uh, as luck would have it, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't interested, I did not read Vogue and I wasn't, you know, an avid um, follower of high fashion. Um, uh, and I got a job in the art department and... That was kind of the start of, I guess, what you would call a proper career in the design industry. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people that I met at that time have uh, have retained relationships with because, you know, those formative 21 to 24, you, you know, 20 to 25, mm-hmm. is, it feels like you... You're kind of forming your your the group that you drew, end up drawing on mm. for a long time to come, and I think that is the case. I mean, you know, I didn't know that I was doing that at the time, but certainly in hindsight, now looking at the people that I still know and still do things with, like Martin Thompson, mm-hmm. you know, I've been working with again. I've known him since I was 21. Wow, and um. And we, you know, we still do things together. So, you know, I think, I do think that you, in those kind of experimental early years where you're 
um, exploring your options, I suppose, mm. you do set up certain relationships and some last and some don't. And mm. and the relationships often determine what you end up doing. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. It's funny, I, I met Martin in London so and when I had my studio there. Did you? I was doing a magazine called Big Magazine. He came to see me. Is that right? And that was, I think I must have been 25 or something. Maybe older, maybe a bit older. But he, you must have met him. I met him. He, came, he then came back, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, amazing mm. guy. And I, I thought I really liked that, what you just said about um, people you meet in those kind of formative ah. years that actually <laughs> help guide your Absolutely. Your career, which is interesting. I never thought of that. Do, haven't you found that, though, for yourself? Well, one of my best mates is a submarine commander, so right. maybe there is a, <laughs> maybe there's something in that, or pilots, or other things. But um, I think think since, yeah, once I've personally dis- discovered kind of design, went to design school and started to work, I mean, most of my friends are photographers or yes. creative people, uh, and I love that, directors and things like that. Yeah. Um, and there's always they're always trying to get me to do something for nothing, mm-hmm. um, which I also like. But it's yeah. nice to it's just kind of that having that common interest is really amazing. I mean, you know, it is nice to be diverse. I I do I I do have a diverse group of friends, obviously, as everyone does, and you know, you can get a bit myopic with, um, you know, who 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 you not share your ideas with, but you know who you end up. What am I trying to say? You don't want to spend all of your time talking about all of the stuff that you do all of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I get it. <clears throat> I get it. It could be too much. It's, it's. I think it's quite interesting the fact that you managed to get into Vogue without any qualifications as well. I guess oh, you must have shown a yeah. portfolio or something. Can't even remember. Don't eat, don't don't remember. It, but it was the early days of, um, or the old days rather of publishing, and that. Um, you know, magazines were published. There were it was letterpress. It was it was. Wow. Think, you know, there there were Louise bromides. You know, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. really primitive. Yeah. There was n- no computers. It was really very manual, and um, uh, uh, you had to have a kind of personality that fitted into that environment. It wasn't like this. You know, it was very hands on. Even in my own office now. If we're doing, you know, layouts for EDMs, I, I often have to print out all of the imagery and kind of checkerboard it together to mm. feel happy with what it looks like because I just, get, when I'm looking at it on the screen, I can't move it around. I can't. Mm. I, I want the lovely girl that does all of our, you know, graphics. I want to sit on her shoulder and mm. get 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 it myself, but I can't, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I got the questions printed out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm the same. I mean, I remember like <coughs> when designing websites and mm. stuff. I say, "Can you just print it out for me?" Yes. Like, what are you yes. talking about? Print it out. It's a website. <laughs> well, yeah, but I want I want to I want to look at it. Mm. I want to take it home and lie next to my bed and and look at it every so often, or I want to like mark it up or yes. whatever. Yes. And I guess the younger generation haven't experienced that. They they just take it. Mm-mm. What's on screen's on screen, and there's no alternative for that. But I, I definitely, per, I personally, uh, just I love physical design you know like physically yes. laying things out but i guess more so for the fashion i mean you have to do that that way so that that's kind of interesting to go from the you know working on vogue mm-hmm. but not as a fashion designer but as layout etc <coughs> old school the old school way of doing it which mm. is cool and and I, were you just like seeing all these amazing shoot fashion shoots around and stylists and stuff and did you that in kind of create an interest for you no, I was an illustrator. I didn't think so, no. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no. no that amazing world of yeah. fashion. No, it wasn't. I was doing, I was illustrating, you know, a lot of fashion, which I actually really enjoyed, but, ah. and, and a lot of, um, well, just sort of general illustration for Vogue, Living Vogue, Entertaining and, and, and Vogue, Australian mm. Vogue. And um, I, I liked it a lot. I did it probably... I can't remember how long I worked for them for, like two and a half years and then I, or three years, and then I freelanced for quite a long time after that. And um, I guess it was, uh, I didn't really mean to get into, 
I worked for other people to start with. I didn't really intentionally stop what I was doing and say, okay, I'm going to move into fashion now because that's what I want to do next. I had a market stall at Pannington with a friend who was a pattern maker. It was fun. Oh, in Oxford Street? Mm. Oh, cool. And um, actually Martin and I started a little uh, label together and um, which mm. was absolutely completely unsuccessful. And um, <laughs> and he we ended up not speaking to each other for quite a considerable. Is that when he went time. to London? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he mentioned you actually. No, that's so funny. Yes, yeah. had to get away. Um, <laughs> he we, yes. So that was kind of our first foray into experimenting with you know what 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 it is what it means to make a group of garments and call it a collection. So that was kind of fun, and. But it didn't really work. But I did enjoy making. I mean, I made everything. I was making everything. I was illustrating things. I was painting, hand painting fabric, printing fabric, making pretty rudimentary clothing. And then we started selling stuff at the markets. That was fun. It was, um, you know, I discovered I could pay the rent. I met a few nice people who were doing the same thing you know the Zimmerman girls who had a stall opposite us it was kind of they were like the nice days of the early days of Paddington markets as well when people could you know where people made livings out of mm. I don't even know if you can do that anymore but um mm. and then I got approached by someone to uh work for them uh, as a junior designer and I was Stunned by that. Junior fashion designer? Yes. Oh, cool. And um, that was not what I would call wildly successful because I had no experience and I was learning on the job and um, I had a very particular, my own personal style was not probably aligned perfectly with that business. But I learned a lot, as you do when you're forced to... um, kind of make it up for yourself and then explain yourself to someone who's paying you to do the job for them. So I got a sort of understood, that was my first experience of having to um, uh, qualify why I had done something and that is a quite an, a salient lesson because you because you, you do have to, well, you, you have to go through the process of uh, uh, deciding that that's what you want to do, choosing the fabric. Let's say let's let's talk about a garment. You know, choosing the fabric, uh, understanding whether it will work in that style or not, and then if it does, and it, let's say it comes in at a good or bad um, price, um, you know why that should uh, survive the process and. Um, and then you also learn about, you know, fit and feel and proportion and commerciality and whether it is a good or bad garment and how does it, is it easily mm. constructed, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, that was a good probably year of learning what it was to do the job. And then the next job, which was at Country Road, was the kind of first job I had where I sort of had to front up and be that person mm. and um, what was your role at country road women's wear designer wow so that in was, melbourne mm, so i moved to melbourne for a couple of years and another learning on the job experience because i i wouldn't say that i was particularly aligned to that business either but it was big enough it's a big enough company for you to to uh be buffered let's say by others around you, you know, big big buying team, big fabric mm. team. A lot of the decision-making was taken out of your hands, so you really just concentrated on mm. the form, I suppose, the concept. Mm. So that was – and also I had a great teacher. I mean, um, Jane Parker, who was, you know, who was Country Road at that time, and Steve Bennett were like at the top of their – top of their careers and mm. Country Road was a sort of iconic Australian business at that time mm. or well yeah, yeah and had been for quite some time before that um, 
And she was very disciplined. So, you know, very disciplined at how to how to construct a collection, how to what it what the balance was, what the you know, the fit and feel was, the customer experience. She was very I, yeah, I guess I learned most from her, the whole, mm. the, the whole gambit of how to do it. Um, Did you like the clothes? Because they're very simple, aren't they? Have they, they always are. been really simple? Mm. Kind of timeless clothing, I think. Yeah, there was a moment where, I mean, it had always been, you know, the, that sort of check shirt, linen pant business. And I think when they brought me in, it was a, it was a little bit of a... Um, a moment where they were experimenting with perhaps we should be a little more adventurous or, yeah, maybe we can be a bit more adventurous. Mm. I wouldn't say that I was adventurous. I mean, it still was a black jacket and a white shirt and a and a classic pair of pants, but I would like to think that I had a point of view that maybe gave it a twist. Mm. And... Uh, maybe one of the sort of that experience they the that you had to do a handover of the collection, which was always incredibly stressful because you had to dress a showroom or a store basically within their showroom mm-hmm. in their head office and um <coughs> so you always got to see what your collection looked like in an environment, and that was sort of the moment the light went on for me in terms of being the sort of designer that I wanted to be mm-hmm. because or felt like I could be because I, I, I'm not drawn to like I'm not a suit person or a shirt person or a dress but I, I, you know I, if anything I'm a kind of color and print person but um, uh, but the end result, seeing what it looks like in an environment, is always what I'm striving for mm. and sort of have since then. Mm. And it's not really a conscious thing, but you you just follow it and your instincts then, they draw you to the decisions that you end up making. And sometimes they're not the right decisions, you know, sometimes... Sometimes I get a bit adventurous or sometimes I'm a bit conservative or sometimes that proportion's not right or sometimes that shape's not completely, you know, working with the rest of the collection. So you do win some and you lose some, but, mm. you know, the, the process is pretty much the same and has been the same, I suppose, since I started. Um, and did, so did you leave, did you have that kind of moment of going, okay, I need to go and do my own thing? Is that when you left to no. do your own thing? No, I came back to Sydney. I worked for Belinda uh, Sieper, who was also another incredibly, you know, talented person who, you know, built a retail empire, incredible buyer, fantastic eye. Mm. Such a shame there's not someone like her left in this sort of retail environment mm. because her stores were exemplary, you know, Um she she was I used to merchandise her stores, so I learned how to put a store together mm. and I worked with her for probably a year when I came back and I learned about buying, which I had no experience with before mm-hmm. and she was a great teacher, hard but great. Mm-hmm. So that was very formative and then um and then I went to work for Marks and started their women's wear for them and that was that was great because you know that was starting something up for somebody else from scratch mm-hmm. he hadn't done women's wear before and i learned then what it was like to um you know through trial and error what it was like to build a collection from scratch and see instant results country road was so large you know you could make mistakes and it was easily absorbed but you know mark mm-hmm. was size I am now you know when I joined him and um, he uh, was also extremely uh, experienced and knew what he wanted so you know it kind of made it easier in a lot of ways it was like yeah no hate that no don't like that I'd do that in pink do that in orange you know do it it was it was a sort of good butting of heads Mm. and I um, kind of came out of that 
a bit battered, but mm-hmm. and and I did take a year. Oh, not really a year. I moved out of town. I moved up to um, Church Point. Oh yeah, and worked beautiful for, spot. No, it was great. It was it was sort of I needed I needed to. I'd, I'd lived in the inner city since I moved to Sydney or Melbourne, and I needed to get out. You know, for to, to sort of have another experience, and um, and I freelanced for a couple of companies. Mambo was still going in those days, so I did stuff for them. I did children's wear for them. That was fun, um, and and then it sort of started organically. Belinda. Uh, was my first customer. I, I sort of started making clothes because I didn't have any, and my f- and there there was a there, there was a big gap in the market for like sim- simple things, but that were lovely, made out of nice you know like lovely fabrics. You know, there was designer clothing, and then there was country road, and there was not a lot in the middle. And there was and it was the age of sort of polyester and blends and easy care fabric and uh you know it was hard to find a cotton dress you couldn't yeah you couldn't find those things actually i had a really i went when when i was working for country road i went to new york they had stores in america at the time Mm. and um i there was a fantastic store in soho uh called morgan pewitt and it was she is the oddest but really fantastic I don't know if you call her a designer, but 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 she's like one of those massively wonderfully creative individuals who who built an environment. Her dad was a beekeeper, and she had a huge vat of wax boiling in her store, or I don't know, I don't know if it was boiling, but she used to dip her clothing in and kind of archive it in wax. Really? And yeah, it was. They were amazing things. Wow. They were like it was like f- clothing as art, but you could also buy it. And all of her things were made out of linen and cotton, and then she would t- t- sort of boil them up in in bark and things, and you would get these really these things that looked like they came out of the woods. They were really beautiful. It must have blown you away. It did, and the and the whole place was, you know, it was before Soho became like completely gentrified. So it was like a cavern of timber beams and rope and concrete floors and. Um, these, these, these cl- clothing hanging off of ropes from high ceilings. It was very, mm. um, it was really kind of gothic and intoxicating. But 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 I, it didn't. I when I thought about doing something for myself, I I kept sort of thinking about her. Not not as grandiose as that, but like those simple things that were sort of hand dyed or or, or, or pre loved, washed. Mm. So that's sort of how it started. I just started making things at home, uh, hand dyeing them, hanging them in the backyard, and then Belinda said, "You know, I could sell that," and that was sort of the start. You know, I started making every week. I would make up a batch of whatever, you know, um, little silk slips, little cotton dresses, little linen pants, whatever it was that, you know she was in need of in pink or tea or her favorite colors you know silver black and uh and you know i that was kind of that was a good easy start because i had two little kids and or one at that point and um and it was something you could manage from home especially that far out of town as well you know just in a Mm. Um, in your own, you know, backyard. So we, were you selling them to her to wear or was she selling them in her no, store? she was selling them in her store. Ah. And she had, I can't remember how many stores she had then. She had like four. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of the start. And then I used to have, I used to call them frock sales, but they were just, um, you know, on a Friday afternoon, I'd just invite everybody over, decorate the living room Um and uh, of our really old falling down house in you know Church Point, and um, then make cake and buy champagne, and everyone would come and try and close and have a glass of champagne, and oh, cool. Help. And then I'd go out the next week and buy more fabric and do it all over again. And I used to do that maybe three times or four times a year, and yeah. that 
maybe that went on for a couple of years before I actually committed to it. So was it that you were doing it because you loved doing it or was it doing it to make a living or a combination of the two probably? Probably a combination of the two. And then, mean, and then was it under her name or was it under Lee Matthews? No, it was under my name. Yeah, it was under my name. And how did you come up with the name? How did I come up with the name? Because I was... It's your name. No, it's my name. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's my name. Oh, that's what people do, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Or did. Maybe they don't do it so much no, anymore. No, they don't actually. And, and, you know, it's a curse and a... It's a... It's a, Yeah, you could call it a curse. It's a very... It's hard. It's inescapable. I, and, you know, in hindsight, I probably should not have done that. But I wasn't really thinking. I just needed to put something on the back neck label and that's what happened, you know? Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, it is what it is. But it mm. means a lot. It's mm. it's like with me, my you know, my last name is Frost. Mm. And luckily, it means something else as yes. well. So people think it's there isn't a person called Frost. That's true. Which is good. Mm. Um, but equally, when you name your business after yourself, mm. uh, it's really hard to kind of over time not be in every single project. Yes, it's interesting. I was at, at the local Tucker, as a coffee shop near my house um, in the eastern suburbs. And there's a lady that comes every day and she's normally, I think she does a night shift in her, she's always in her nurse's outfit, mm. you know, dark blue, with a little thing, watch thing on her mm. lapel, whatever it's called. And the other day she was in this white, beautiful uh, shirt. And I said, wow, what shirts, what, that shirt's amazing. Mm. Lee Matthews. <laughs> I <was> like, Who? <laughs> I wish you were there. I was, yes, she's right here. Um, no, the way she said it, she was like such confidence and pride. It was wonderful. And it actually, I was, I don't normally compliment people on their clothes. <laughs> so, and I didn't know it was Lee Matthews. Uh, and I, and it's just like, wow, if I was a woman, I'd want to wear that shirt. You oh, know? that's nice. Or blouse. What do you call it? Is it blouse? Shirt. Well, you know, shirt. top shirt. And blouse. Yeah. I have interest in just wondering, so you, do you, you don't do men's otherwise I'll be wearing your clothes. No, I mean, we, no, <laughs> no, we don't. It's yeah. hard. I mean, it's not hard. I've, how do you, how, it's hard enough to get to the finishing line with what we're already doing, you know. And I have been asked a number of times to contemplate doing menswear and I have nearly done it. But, uh, you know, in the end, it just, oh, you know, all the time and energy gets eaten up by just staying you know, afloat and focused on what you're working on at the time. Yeah. And the consistency obviously is important too, isn't it? The quality and all that. Mm. Especially you're still very much um, a part of the business. Mm. Um, how did you make that transition? Because it's, it's hard, isn't it, business? And to, you know, if you're supplying clothing for another person's business, mm -hmm. that's one thing. Mm. But to make that break and then start to run your own business, how did you do that? Sort of accidentally. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we we outgrew the house and I had to get somewhere to work. So that was Newport. That was the first um, st store. Well, it wasn't really a store when we first moved in. It was a – we painted out the window and it was a st studio. But, you know, that didn't last very long because people would knock on the door and say, what are you doing in there, you know, because it was a <laughs> shop. <laughs> Nosy people. <laughs> So we yeah, scraped the paint off. Actually, we scraped it off halfway down so you could see in if you really wanted to. But we had a little cutting table. We had, um, you know, a machine. We had a, we had a rack with some clothes. We had a little changing room and there were three of us in there, you know, cutting, making, hanging things, washing. Oh, we had a little back area and I had a, a dye vat I used to have in that. I used to all things up in in uh, wax <laughs> yeah in wax no, no no just just actually we did use tea actual real tea yeah. um uh and then it sort of morphed into a store and then it morphed into an environment because guy you know my husband at the time was he had a you know um industrial antiques you know store furniture furniture restoration or, you know he was always dragging some piece of something home and that would often end up as a counter in the store or part of the mm, racks cool. or you know so the whole thing really did happen very organically and so then we had a business and the business had a part-time bookkeeper and it had a you know we had to comply with all this stuff I had no experience 
Who helped me in the beginning? I think it was, you know, I did a lot of talking to the people that I that I have known a long time. You know, I mm. mean, Belinda was a big mentor. She mm. was, um, you know, very instructive. Mm-hmm. I, um, who else? You know, I mean, those sort of their own businesses and that you trust, I suppose, over mm. the years have given great advice. And, um, and I still turn to those people for advice, actually. And, and as it grew and we opened more stores, um, you kind of bolt on the next people, I suppose. I had, I, I have, I've kind of con- grown and contracted on a number of occasions, kind of grown and felt like, ooh, this is, I can't manage this. I, I can't manage the rate that this is growing at, so therefore I'm going to stop um, mm. because it requires that I you know, uh, bring in more people to assist with things that I just don't have the time to, I don't have the time to train them and I don't have the time to, Mm. um, you know, really invest in them to get the best from them and for them to get the best for themselves. And so we've done that a few times. Well, stop is in terms of stop the business? No, just stop growth. Growth, Just plateau and post for a minute and mm. so uh, you know i suppose that's why the business has taken a very long time to i don't know be recognized because i still think that we're the best kept secret you know even though we're over 20 years old it is like a lot of people most people don't know who we are it's kind of i like that i must say i don't i don't feel the need to i kind of enjoy the smallness of it the quietness of it it's interesting i told someone the other day yes yes i said i'm interviewing lee matthews tomorrow and he said Who? oh yeah he's player. really cool <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you a funny story about that when we had newport the first the first store and we put we proudly put our logo on the window um i don't know maybe you know a couple of months later this huge bus pulled up and a whole bunch of drunken men got off it and uh, they all piled out in front of the store window and some guy was taking photos of them and they were all like, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what are you doing? And they said, Lee Matthews, you know. Like, well, we, we, they were on his, they, I think they were all footballers. Oh, and, um, how funny. It was hilarious and I didn't even know who Lee Matthews was at that time. But anyway, I did after that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he's really cool. <laughs> uh, I remember seeing, uh, we used to live in Mill Hill Road and Bondi Junction. You had a store just at the end there opposite. Oh, yes. um, um, the pub. F- oh, the, the bus depot. Yeah, yeah, the, pu- the, yeah. Yeah, the pub, yeah. Uh, the Nelson. Yeah. Um, I love that store. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and I love that kind of all the kind of the older, the vintage artifacts that were in there too. Yeah, a guy did that store. That was all, That all those doors are out of, uh, you know, um, old public school and... That was that clock, which worked at the time, was out of a railway station. It looked like a little railway station. Mm. Yeah, it did. Didn't it? Yeah. Really liked it. It was it was a problem though. We had to move from there because the uh, all the uh, emissions from the buses, the the, the floor and the clothes just used to get black. Oh yuck! (laughs) I mean, not you know, it wasn't wasn't diabolical. So how, how many stores have you got now? Um, we only have four left after COVID and only on, and online. Yeah, that's we had, still significant. Yeah, and where where are they? Uh, B- Brisbane, uh, Melbourne, uh, and two in Sydney, mm. and online. And how has COVID been for you? Is it like everybody pretty tough? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was pretty brutal the first. I called it early because um, I don't know why I did. I just did. You know, everyone was. Who knew what was going to happen? So I recalled, I shot all the stores and recalled all the stock and brought it all back to head office. So it was like uh, uh, walking into a clothing cave, you Mm. know, for once it had all come back. Um, And um, I didn't know if we would ever reopen. I I guess, you know, no Mm. one really knew what was going to happen. No, it's been the most surreal experience. There's been a kind of real bonding um, in our business of those that have, I I, I suppose, really, um, it's it's forced a kind of different focus 
because everything was inward. Mm-hmm. You know, prior to this, everything was outward. Everything, all the stock went through the mm-hmm. straws. Every, every, we were, you, you were perpetually looking out mm-hmm. at, at um, your end of day figures, at what was selling. You know, at who. It, I don't even know how to describe it apart from. Well, you're doing a good job. I <laughs> know. Uh, I. I you are, you know. <laughs> no, I like that. We're, we all we were the same. Outward, 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 yes. and then time to like, oh, holy oh. crap, we're probably going to be out of business, or yes. could be. Yes. How do we survive? How do we consolidate? That's how right. do we recalibrate? That's right. I mean, I used to say, you know, guys, this is Noah's Ark. We're all. This is it. Step right up. Come up the stairs. <laughs> this is you know, and um, you know, I'm. Very, very grateful to, you know, everyone that stuck around mm. to the and the way everybody threw their chips on the table. It was, it was, I mean, extraordinary. And, you know, you have to pull out, um, well, you have to be able to do everything. Basically, we, mm. we, you know, we had no money. We couldn't do anything. We all brought our cameras into the office. We all started taking pictures. We all became graphic designers. We all became... What? Um, you know, every... <laughs> we all became everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. And, um, and, you know, for three months, we were sort of producing our own content, doing our own things, making everything up on the spot because mm. really what else could you do? to try and kind of ride the wave, read read the room, mm. make decisions that felt appropriate. Um, yeah, survive. I mean, some of the stores I just couldn't I couldn't reopen them because the staff had gone. You know, they mm. some of the one of the girls in Victoria her family lives in Queensland. She had to leave mm. and go to Brisbane and then you know, job keeper kicked in and I couldn't afford to employ anyone. Like it was just a mm. minefield. Yeah. You know, you know what it was it's, like. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Still is like. Yeah. Well, it's not still is like, but you know, to some degree, it is still like. Luckily, that. I mean, obviously, not compared to the rest of the world, they're really oh, having it tough right now. Terrible. But I think that what it's interesting what you're saying because I can totally relate to it because I've just seen the resilience in my people mm. and just the having new faith in humans. Mm, you know, yes, going, humans. Wow, actually, we're all actually really nice people yeah, that yeah. just have are sharing. The same thing. We're all experiencing the same thing. Yeah. And we're all just trying to make sense of it and trying to kind of navigate it. Mm. It was like a, a rehumanization going on, if that's such a word. Mm. And I, I'd quite liked it. I liked how people kind of began to kind of feel to enjoy their homes or enjoy each mm. other more or food and whatever. Mm. And I kind of getting back to basics just through survival almost. Yes. And you realize the excess that we have in our lives. Yes. Excess of things and you know, excess responsibilities or materialism, etc. Yes. It just really, um, God, just like, wow, what, how do we get to this? Yes. Yeah, there's and been a lot of re- that kind of conversation generally in mm. the office, you know, mm. over lunch, which is now, you know, everybody brings their lunch. Mm. Everybody. The, 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 the kitchen at the office is like, you know, it's, it's may- most of the day it is mayhem. You know, morning to the end of the day. It's a small kitchen, and there's I don't know, 14 of us in there, and you know, you, you, someone's always in there making something. It's, it's charming, though. I like it. I like it. I much prefer it to you know, to I suppose how we were. You know, which was mu- much less connected. It, do you feel like you've gone backwards or forwards with this? Because obviously there's been a loss, but yeah. But is it? Does he feel like you've kind of a better for it? Everybody says that they're better for it. Yeah, of course, you know, yes. It's always good to um, feel like you have rationalised to some extent. Mm. I know there's been a lot of talk about that. You know, you've been able to, people have been able to really rationalise their businesses or their lives. And But uh, there's also a kind of degree of post-traumatic stress, I think. You know, I feel I uh, there's, it, it was, I really do feel for the people that are having a very difficult time with this i mean th- we weren't the girls in melbourne who've only just been able to go back to mm. work it was really it was very hard to inability to be able to assist in any way apart from you know being on the end of a phone or a zoom call or mm. whatever to be connected mm. somehow it was so such a peculiarly powerless position to be in mm. you know and and I mean, I'm glad that's over. 
Yeah, I'm glad that's over. And so, yes, uh, there have been some good parts to it in that it has kind of cleaned mm. things up to some extent, but it's not over yet, I suppose. No, it's not over yet. And uh, did you have you been, like a lot of people have been saying, how much their online sales have increased? Is that has that been the same for you? Yeah, it has. Yes, of course. You know, yeah, yes, it has. But, you know, that's people think that uh, on, online it's great because you know it's online and it's you know their people are um you know you don't have a have rent you don't have a you don't have to worry about the store but actually feeding an online business that that has to grow and and um uh service you know individuals is is uh it's it's expensive and it's uh as hard to navigate um, as, mm. as, as a bricks and mortar store, for sure. For people in the UK, I mean, UK's gone into lockdown mm. just this week mm. and uh, America is just going through the roof, isn't mm. it? Mm. I mean, what would you, what advice would you give people in a similar businesses that are, you know, you've kind of come through it and, you know, obviously in the process of repairing, I mm. guess, and, and kind of trying to get back to some kind of normality, the new normality. What would you? What kind of advice would you give people who are right in the thick of it, going, "My business is going to be gone," or is yeah. this it? Yes, stay calm, and um, and uh, I, you know, I suppose, I mean, it's obviously uh, business dependent, or yeah, it's business dependent. But I fell back on the customer service aspect of our business mm. we have a very strong long-standing customer base and who were needing assistance whether they were going into a store or not i mean it sounds so facile to talk about you know customer experience when it's really like a whole other level of weirdness mm. but um but yes that's what we sort of drew down on you mm. know how do we service this how do we make people feel better we put we 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 made we made little um care packages and and um we sent them to our top vips you know Mm. and and we uh you know we connected in different ways and more directly Mm. which i think a lot of people have done Mm -hmm. so i suppose I think you said earlier, you know, you kind of do go back to basics. You know, what is basic retail 101? What Mm. is basic um, sales 101? You know, what Mm. do people want? They're all going to be working from home. What do you need when you're working from home? Mm. Let's make some of that. What about, um, has it changed, has it influenced, you know, from working from home, has it changed your your clothing design at all? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. From April to till this i guess this collection quite dramatically but you know um and probably the 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 kind of what what do you call it the the lounge component of the collections has increased Mm -hmm. um but but there was a very um I, i i just found the whole Let's do everything in black and white and neutral because it doesn't feel right to do things in color and print. Mm. And right now, I found that really hard to mm. uh, do. So we sort of we did sort of pull back on the, the first collection out of COVID. I suppose going, oh, you know, should it feel what, what you know? Yes, we've increased our leisure wear component. Yes, we've increased our We've looked at our price points. Yes, we've done all of that sort of um, not re-strategizing, but you know, uh, r- r- you know, rationalizing. But then oh, the desire to do something that just felt happy, like can we just be happy? You mm. know, can we? Joy. Just, yes. Can we make something beautiful? Can it be? Let's just. Ha- I can't live without color. It has mm. to be it there. And we so we went kind of mad with um, resort and which Martin photographed at, in the middle of all of the chaos, which mm. was quite sort of... Most oh, you're friends again now. Yeah, we, yes, we are. <laughs> 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 We're great friends. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and um, 
uh, and it was such a wonderful experience to to sort of feel like oh that it felt good to make things that were that and it felt right to make them you know lovely and colorful and and in print and not follies i mean they're ultimately very wearable but you know but not with covid in mind i suppose and how does how does it translate internationally do you sell many clothes overseas an international wholesale business Mm -hmm. which has been radically affected by this Mm -hmm. but um but it's sort of i suppose that's been one of the distinct changes in the whole process or the whole system is that where we were once um, making things that had to be seasonal seasonally appropriate uh for you know an international business now we just make things, offer them if they buy them for their websites or their stores, wherever they happen to be open at the time, mm-hmm. they do. And if they don't, that's okay because this is what we're making now. And I think because of the increase in online presence across the world, mm. people are selling things that are, are for all seasons, yeah. all year round, yeah, yeah. on all in all hemispheres. Yeah. So strangely, it's sort of taken the pressure off mm. that somehow. Yeah. Um, people are buying for around the world directly to on your website. We have two webs. We have our Australian website and we have a US website, mm. and um, and you know we're on matches, and that's a that's a great business for us mm-hmm. and um but you know most of the other stores that we deal with they've been kind of opening and closing over the year which has been very difficult for you know for them as as well as for us but you know it is what it is you've got two kids charlie and matilda mm-hmm. is that right mm-hmm. and they are you saying earlier that they work in the business with you they do yes that's cool mm. do they have a say in that do <laughs> <laughs> They're six and seven. No, how old are they? Yeah, um, uh, Tilly's twenty three, Charlie's twenty one, and they are. Yeah, they do have a say in it. They both came on board to do internships to work mm-hmm. out whether they would like to work in the business or not. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, they are probably on the cusp of deciding they don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they've also learned a lot just about you know how. how how a business functions and doesn't function. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'd be sad to see them go. I really enjoy having them. I mean, it's it, sometimes it can be very trying and hard to manage, mm. And um, but as you would well know. Um, yeah. But but mostly I really enjoy having them. Mm. No, it's really cool because I was, I was saying earlier before we were recording that back in London when I had my studio, the, my kids... I used to hang out in the studio a lot, Mm. in the prams, and uh, just to be around all the time, actually. Mm. And, um, of course, I was always too busy working, Mm. and it was tough, Mm. um, actually. In those early days, it's incredibly hard running a business. Mm. It is still today, but we got a bit more experience, so we kind of were a bit more calmer with it. But it's it's really cool. My son, Luca, uh, is producing this podcast. He's working with... um, in in doing our uh, marketing uh, in the business as well, That's great. Uh, along with Mac and my other son Louis, who's studying screen and media, and Gia's just graduated, so she's um, she wants to do interior design. So I'm hoping that she'll have some time in here as well. But it, but it's cool. It's just um, I don't know. I think it just feels like a natural thing to do, doesn't it? It feels like, I mean, the hard thing I guess is making sure that people don't think your favoritism or you're doing any kind of they're not getting any kind of special treatment. Treatment, yeah. They got to pull That's their hard. weight, really. It's hard. It, that that is a hard thing, you know. And mm. oh, I don't, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't know how you get around that stuff. Of course, mm. I'm going to, if your child is struggling in any way, and they are, or they're causing, uh, they're not pulling their weight in some way. There, there's that struggle to, you know, be the parent and also be the boss, mm. and. Uh, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately, fire them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Finding that finding that balance, I think it it's it's really cool. I mean, and also just talk about Lee Matthews people because, mm. I mean, probably 
probably similar in that regard is running a business as soon as you have one one assistant and one mm. person working with you it becomes a business mm. and, and it's also not natural to necessarily delegate or to no. bring someone along on their vision and, and sometimes it's hard to find the right person right have you found that too um, have you got like a great team now over time that is your core team that make it all happen uh, yes i do and i but i've also always had great team you know so the the type of business that it is automatically attracts a type of person they're mm-hmm. generally um quite good all-rounders um um th- th- you know they're, they're not specialists they haven't specialized in one part of their business trajectory so and i do love people that are all-rounders you know mm-hmm. and it's a kind of prerequisite in my business kind of generalist you can't be afraid to get your hands dirty if you have to go pack boxes in the warehouse or you or the kitchen needs cleaning. It ca- it can't be an issue, and and even for your kids, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and they're and actually, and they're pretty good at packing boxes and cleaning, and cleaning the kitchen. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's it is a. I enjoy people that have that sort of mentality, and you know, sometimes sometimes you know people forget to put their dishes away. And sometimes there's a, you know, everyone leaves their rubbish out, but mostly everyone's kind of cares for everyone else's you know space Mm. and yeah and it's a quite uh it's i have a very flat organizational structure if you could call it that and always have and that's been perceived as a problem in the past at times but you know largely it's 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 worked and you know particularly now that things have really sort of scaled back this it's even more important now to be for everyone to be kind of, and we have an open plan office like yours, mm-hmm. you know, you can see everybody mm-hmm. at once when you're in there and everyone knows how everyone is. And and that's important, I think, you know. And, I mean, obviously there have been times when it hasn't all been roses, you know, or you make some, you make some, mis- not mistakes, but you, you maybe you, you're reaching too far too fast or you're... Yeah heading in a direction that doesn't really suit the culture of your business or so you you know you start to attract d- different types of people that don't particularly fit with your with everyone else in the business and that's going to happen with anybody mm. um but you do learn to recognize those things more quickly or at the at, at, at first you know i've got better at that you know over the years although you know does is it ever perfect probably not no mm. do, you, do you enjoy it still I, yeah, of course, yes. I yeah. don't know what else I'd do with myself. Yeah. But um, um, you know, I I I I enjoy it because it's still a challenge. Yeah. I don't. And once that stops, I probably won't enjoy it. Yeah. Do you, have you feel like you've designed your life? God no. I should have asked you in the beginning. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. God no. <laughs> no. Not at all. Um. I mean, you know. I seem to have followed a certain um, road, but I could honestly couldn't tell you that I consciously did that. And uh, but I would say that I, I do believe in a kind of full circle theory, you know, where you start at a big the beginning and you end up at that beginning again at, at a certain point where it all starts again, you know. And um, there's a certain sense of that. Not sense of an ending, but sense of a beginning out of kind of you know what you're we talking about before, like having sort of had the gut stripped out of this business unintentionally. It is a little bit like having gone back to the beginning. I don't know if anybody else says that to you, mm. but it certainly yeah. has a has a sense of that. Like you, I've been doing my business for over twenty years now, and every mm. day you're kind of optimistic, but mm. also protecting it. Yes, and you're making sure that you don't go out of it. You're making sure that. You're heading the right direction. You're kind of trying to do as many things well yes. as well. And when that's just ripped out, or it feels like it's yes. it's such a yeah, it's just a mental thing. I mean, I I I had a tough time uh, over COVID, like a lot of people, feeling quite down about the whole thing because yeah. you know every day you wake up optimistic and you go, wow, I can't wait to get in there and do this and this. Even even it's tough. Yeah, the big question mark sitting over it. The whole thing is like, oh. Are we going to keep going? Is it going to be going for forever? Everything that you believed in, everything you were positive and working to was in big question mark. Mm. Um, that's tough. 
Mm. And um, a lot of gin was drunk. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> well, so the Irish. That's the Irish in it's you, the is Irish, it? Irish, yeah. How yeah. funny. And do you? What's the? What, what's your? Have you got a plan, or, or are you just kind of still like for the future of Lee Matthews? Oh, well, yes, of the course. The business. Yes, of course. You know, no, yes, and no. I, I mean, you know, I don't. I'm not in a hurry to jump on the next um, train to, you know, who knows where. I, I I'm very much feel like I would like to spend next year regrouping, consolidating, and reimagining. So, how small can this stay mm-hmm. for the for the best outcome? Yeah, I'm not interested in growth. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I've discovered. No, it's interesting because I, I was saying, and I'm probably repeating myself on the podcast recently. I said. Same similar thing. I just said, well, growth feels crass right now. It does. You know, yes. being ambitious feels mm-hmm. crass. It's like, well, let's just focus on being kind, being gentle, being sustain sustainable. You know, let's making just, beautiful things. Yeah, that's sort of all I'm interested in. Yeah, and that can sound contrived, but you know, I've had a l- many conversations over this period with women in particular who have said really lovely things that and have felt compelled to say them when at, at other times they may not have said anything at all about how how having something lovely to wear mm. has made them feel so much better about themselves and that you know the fact that and that they that you know they've gone on this whole I hate the word journey but you know mm. that this whole journey of sort of nearly two and a half gener, nearly three generations of individuals with women, you know them, and now their children, um, and how good that makes them feel. And that was such a um, hearing that probably for the first time, really, you know, like really heard it. Even though it's probably been said before, I was like, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, th- thanks, you know. But this time it was like, gosh, that actually makes me feel really good and happy for you and for me mm. and has actually redefined what it is that I want to do, yeah. which is really just that. I just want to make a, a lovely thing yeah. the best that I can and with people I like and I'll keep doing that until I don't. Fantastic. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, 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 that is a simple kind of idea. It does draw in other people who want to do the same thing mm. and and does it have to be any more than that no no doesn't i think that's so nice to hear that and so genuine too and i think that like the the, the pleasure you give people must must feel great for you you know to see people wearing your clothes to see people because it, it clothes aren't just something you wear it appeals to all your senses doesn't it yes it does and yeah it it's does. just a wonderful thing that's just such there's such important parts of your life it's not you know you don't I mean, I throw this T-shirt on, but I scoured the earth for this particular T-shirt, <laughs> even though I look like I'm wearing the same T-shirt every day. And you probably hate it because there's no color. It's black. Um, I'm sorry about that. I've got green pants on. But, um, you know, it's, um, you know, each, each and every one of us has, I guess, different taste. Mm. And for you to be designing for a particular customer, they don't just buy Lee Matthews clothes as functional. They buy it for the probably the feeling and the well you tell me why they buy it you know a lot of people do talk about the fabric you know it feels good it feels they love the feeling and 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 you know the it is it's about uh, you know fabrication the feeling of the fabric the color the it's it's kind of everything and Mm. it's got a uh it has retained a sensibility you know at times when i've i think i was saying before you know i've made i have made some decisions that are kind of regrettable you know i decided i want to be a kind of minimalist brand for a season and suddenly i don't have a customer you know they don't (laughs) (laughs) was it after the gin (laughs) no No, that was before the gin oh right (laughs) when i realized i had no customers i hit the bottle (laughs) oh jesus but you know you do i mean you do have to play with your I suppose it's a long arc, right? You know, that 20-odd years of doing this is a long stretch. So you want to, you know, you got to play yeah. play with your, with your, in your field. And yeah. I just couldn't play that, you know. So there have been times when 
my business is being completely unfashionable. Not that I'm fashionable anyway, but, you know, like linen, anything that crushed, anything in colour, anything with print, anything, you know, that vaguely resembled like a dress was totally not a cool thing to wear or and, and no one's that interested in it. Apart from, you know, the sort of coterie of people I was starting to, you know, gather. So, so you know, I did experiment with, with you know, other forms of design to try mm. and... Oh, I don't know, I've lost the thread of what I was trying to say. You know what I mean, though. Well, uh, is it because you got bored? Or I, mean I think it, so. Yeah, I mean, I got frustrated. I got frustrated. I thought, oh, nobody likes what I'm doing. You know, like it's it's boring. It's 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 it's. I don't know. Like people will say, you know, it's like Nana chic. You know, and I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be Nana chic. I just wanted to be. I don't even know what I wanted to be. Really, to be honest, I just wanted to. Well, stay true to what you. Yeah, you I wanted feels right. more people to like it, and mm. I. So I was trying things that I thought maybe they want. That people would like this, you mm. know, and it's not all about pleasing the customer, but it is about trying to find, you know, because you all you are trying to reach new people. Mm. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to dress the 55 people that always bought your clothes. Yeah. So, so there was a kind of there have been moments where I've thought, oh, you know, everyone must be sick of this. You know, they we, we need to move forward. And actually, having uh, you know bringing on someone to work with me in design that was mm. a big step forward that actually one of my questions but i didn't ask you yeah well so how did that come about same thing i got to that point where i thought i cannot keep going like this i have to i need help to move forward and i don't have the energy for it and i'm also running other parts of the business that mm. require too much attention yeah and you know, bringing someone like Natalia in, who is, who I wouldn't have said she was initially absolutely. She's a she's a minimalist designer. She's a young designer. She she loves textiles though. So you know, we absolutely bonded over fabric. And then after that, it was just. And she's great with print and colour so I you know between the two of us we've brokered an arrangement where we can actually happily bargain over you know not working I don't like that shape oh I don't know about that that's a bit you know I don't like that length and our customer you know Mm. we can talk quite candidly about this stuff and it's been a I've learned a lot from doing this Mm. and it's probably good that she's working 100% on that too yes so you're as opposed to if you when you do it all yourself, you diluted so much. No, she's doing a good That's job. That's brilliant. Mm. That's so cool. Mm. Well, look, Lee, it's been the real Lee Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> look, at, you said he played football. <laughs> and he the turns real- up in a dress. <laughs> <laughs> a very colourful one, which looks beautiful. And I'm sure it feels beautiful too. Um, Lee, thank you so much for spending time today coming to meet me on the podcast. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Design Your Life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective. If you enjoyed this episode and found it inspiring, please don't forget to review or subscribe. 